Hello and welcome to the Footnotes podcast. Today we are with Michael Mountford and Matthew Heritage. Myself, what are we talking about today, Michael? Well, hello, and I'm actually doing quite well, thank you very much, even though you didn't ask me. Ah, I, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I will be focusing on uh, the White Death, otherwise known as the legendary Simo Haiha. Now, I completely butchered that, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Whole. We'll call him Simo. That's an we'll easier him, name. Yeah, Simo. Unless I pronounce Simo wrong, then, oh well. But anyways, so, what, firstly, you know, why is this a footnote? Well, I remember, in 2014, I went to watch this film called American Sniper, right? And they were, it was this amazing film about the U.S. Navy SEAL guy, Chris Kyle. He was played by Bradley Cooper, and he shoots, you know, a couple of people, and he's, very, he's like, glorified in it about, like, how he's so amazing, and, like, it goes through his whole story about his family and all. So I, I was pretty interested in that, like why they glorified him. And we'll, we'll, cut, we'll, we'll go back to this at the end. But I was pretty interested in that. And I wanted to know if he was actually the, like, the best sniper, as good as they put, you know, as, as good as they hype him up to be. So I did a little bit of research. Turns out he really isn't. It's Simo Haiha. And he has got uh, one of the, like, he, he is way above everyone else. He, he reportedly killed like 500 to 542 men. Okay, so we're gonna talk about like why he's so amazing and like what is, what he did, like how did he prepare himself, and also a bit about the Winter War. And I feel like that's why he's a footnote because he he was one of the greatest snipers I think in in history, and I think one of the greatest snipers there ever will be, without a doubt. Okay, I mean so, World War Two itself is just a landmine full of historical footnotes i mean exactly, yeah because yeah. every everywhere you look every theater of the war there's always something interesting going on there's and so always i yeah. i feel like in the kind of general narratives inside of world war Two, there are a lot of stuff that you could get into that's really interesting in the minutiae of the details exactly and like you know i i am the kind of person that really likes i think it's called like the agency approach to history when you focus on like individuals and what they did to like turn the course of history you know and that's that's why i kind of like focusing on individuals such as simo right so a little little bit of basic over if you don't know who simo is uh he was nicknamed the white death by the Red Army. Uh, the Finnish Army, though, they called him the Magic Shooter, but we'll, we'll use White Death. The White Death is a cooler name. I mean, talk about what you want about the Soviets and <laughs> communism, but they are good at naming things. And they named him the White... I mean, the Finnish Army, Magic Shooter, I, I don't think that's as good. But anyway, so yeah. So he reportedly killed like 500 to 542 men, which is the highest number of sniper kills in any major war. Um... Although High Hat estimates I killed way more than 500 men. Apparently, I've looked around on a couple websites. They say 700 men. And so, we'll, we'll leave that to speculation. That's a pretty good uh, kill-to-death ratio. I think it is. I'd be very happy if I played a game of CS and killed 700 people. I, uh, I mean, when people win a game of Fortnite, Oh, I got 21 kills. Look at me. You didn't kill 500. You could do a bit better. I mean, even though you only dropped 100. But anyways, so yeah. So... Even though Finland lost the Winter War, um, just a bit about Winter War, you know, basic overview if you don't know. Uh, the Russians decided to invade Finland, you know, World War II is, is um, a massive Russian attack, but uh, even though Finland lost, it cost the Russians the lives of uh, like 381,000 total casualties, apparently. Well, it ranges from 321,000, but we used a higher estimate. 
it is the better one, you know. Uh, so three hundred eighty-one thousand. Um, apparently, right? I couldn't find what the Soviet, who's like, who so the Soviet general is, but he said um, that when the war concluded, and even though the fin the Finnish lost in the treaty, they obviously got a bit of land off the Finnish. Uh, the the Soviet general said that the land they reclaimed was just enough to bury their dead, oh. which is yeah. That just sums it up. I know. Uh, probably should, don't go. Don't get into a war of the Finnish. Apparently, so like, uh, wow. You know, heritage. I bet you right now you're sitting there. You're looking at that amazing number, three hundred eighty-one thousand. Oh my god! How did that happen? I bet you're asking. I am asking that? that. You are. Okay. Well, you well, you you put the words right into my mouth. So. And yeah, exactly. I am because honestly, it's oof. so. Uh, you need to remember, right? Joseph Stalin. Before all this, he had these he had these mass purges. You know, the Yechov Shachina. I probably butchered that up. You know, he had these mass purges, right? And he got rid of all the military experts in the late 1930s. So the the biggest weakness already was that the Red Army was highly disorganized. They also spoke different languages because it was this whole like it was this terrible like culmination of that because the USSR was so huge. So they had all these people speaking different languages and also since they had no military experts when they did do their attacks they were very simple the, uh, it was disorganized the soviet troops actually were so disorganized that they were issued with green suits for most of the winter war so you're fighting in snow with green suits that is i, I, I mean that is a blunder on like that's up there with some of the major historical that, that is that that's is a big one a, yeah that's a that's a <laughs> That's quite a big boo-boo. And this was for most of the Winter War. They did, It wasn't like after the first week they were like, hold on, they can see us. They were like, no, let's just keep going. Because it was just so disorganized. So, like, the snipers, they were having a field day out. Because they could just see them all. They, they weren't blending into anything. So, as well as that, there's also uh, the Finnish um, Moti tactics, which were pretty much just guerrilla warfare. It's very similar. Um, since the Soviets, right, since they had no tacticians, they were like, let's just invade via the roads. It'd be easiest, right? You're walking into, you know, towns and stuff. How are the Finns, right? The, the problem with all the roads is that they were, um, around them were all these forests, all these hills. So what the Finns would do is they just simply encircle them. And they'd use the surrounding wilderness and the forest to then surprise them. As soon as the Soviets would march up the roads, they'd quickly come in from behind, there'd be... Massive like gunfire, it'd be, it'd be a mess basically. The Soviets they were just encircled, they wouldn't win. Um, there's a good um historiographical article if you're into that, it's in the sources. You know, check it, check the episode notes right now if you want. Um, it, and basically, to traditional view, said this tactic was so successful because the Finnish troops they were so they had like great mobility, they were on skis and everything. And apparently, though, uh, when the Finnish, I think this is also in another war, but Basically, in the Winter War, what happened was when they got the skis that the uh, Russians had, the skis were so bad that they just threw them in the bonfire, you know, because it's just oh. they were terrible. So they couldn't even ski anywhere. So they, they had this amazing greater mobility. They had the, the element of surprise. And since the, um, since the conditions were so harsh with all the forested terrain and, like, the, the climate was a nightmare, apparently the Russians weren't actually used to the Finnish winter. Ooh, which, interesting. Oof. I know, controversial. Because you generally think it's like other people invading Russia and the Russian yeah, winter. Yeah, when the Germans invade Russia, their their um their tank fuel froze. Oh. So that's pretty cold. But then when they invade Finland, they found it even worse. Wow. So would you, so that's kind of like 
the the Vietnam War where you take advantage of the home field advantage. You like yeah yeah, and yeah. it's just the fo- the people invading just totally not used to the terrain, not used to the climate. Precisely, just... precisely. And as we talk about Simo uh, Haiha himself, his own contribution of what he per like how he prepared himself, we will see how how he took advantage of the forested terrain and all that. So. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about his contribution. We'll get a few stats in here. So, you know, some of these are honestly mind blowing. So, uh, the Battle of Kola, uh, K O L A A, that was actually one of the big ones which he really performed. Uh, it was temperatures minus forty degrees Celsius. I mean, that's just that's just unthinkably cold. <laughs> How does that even that. work? I'm I'm cold in the UK when I see a bit of snow. I'm already cold. I'm like, <laughs> 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 I'm already getting like five layers on, man. He, he's wow. just chilling. So, um, during that battle, the Finns were fighting against as many as twelve divisions. You know, which that doesn't probably like that doesn't, probably doesn't sound like a lot. Only twelve. That's hundred sixty thousand soldiers. Wow. Apparently, at one point in like the same area, there were only thirty-two Finns fighting against over four thousand Soviets. That is this, amazing. Yeah, it, it blows me away, man. So, how did he get so good? Well. I, I I like hi ha because what he says is I just practiced, and uh, when he was very young he went to the Finnish Civil Guard, uh, which is I think it's like equivalent not really state troopers but sort of like the in America it's a bit like that, it's sort of like state trooper that sort of thing you know it's it's not that big of a deal right you you'd expect that but basically though due to the poor finances of like the Finnish Civil Guard they were like right. We're not going to train you too much in tactics. This is a gun. This is the basics. You just aim and shoot at the target. And that's what they taught them. That's the only thing. So he he kept working on that every single day, day in, day out. Uh, He was eventually able to hit a target 16 times per minute at about 500 feet away. That's a lot. Like 500 feet. That's that's far away. Exactly. And he he hit it 16 times per minute. That's... So... Uh, earlier, I was talking about all these 500 kills, yeah? You yeah. know, way more, even 700. So you're probably thinking, oh, is this war, man? If you, if you had no idea what the Winter War was, you'd say 500 kills. You must be like, oh, goddamn. He must have been operating throughout the whole of World War II, you know? There's no way he could get it done in like, in like a couple of months, right? Wrong. All of High House kills were accomplished in fewer than 100 days. Wow. That's like average of just over five per day, which is lots, man. That it, is, wow. You know? So, um, even then, so even then, you think 500 kills, that's a lot. Wait, wait until you hear this. Uh, Hai himself, he counted, uh, obviously, like, the, the number of kills of the confirmation of his comrades. And also that, he, he did not take into account at all when several snipers shot at the same target, or when he was using his machine gun, and he was like, you know, if he was, if it became close quarters, even if he was with someone else, and they were both shooting at the same man, he, he wouldn't take the credit. So who knows? I reckon there could be another fifty in there at least, man. At least fifty more. Um, uh, so we're going to talk about like his feats now. You know, apart from the Battle of Kola, uh, on twenty first December nineteen thirty nine, he killed twenty five Russian shol- Russian soldiers just on one day in the battlefield. I'd also like to add, this is winter. Days don't last that long. Twenty-five. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. No, not many people think of that. And since from the start of the war, he went on this amazing killing spree of a hundred and thirty-eight Russian soldiers dead in twenty-two days. Wow. 
Was this yeah. all in like one part of Finland, or was he like going all over the place? Oh, this was just in one part because it was, it was one so part disorganized. So like wow. when they literally attacked, they were just like, "Oh, let's just go here." And a lot of this, where I chose not really much to focus on the winter, but when reading about it, the the Soviet army, since they got rid of all the experts, all the generals, all the master tacticians, yeah, if yeah. they had any, it was pretty much just like, "Oh, let's just run here. It'll be mm. fine. Follow the roads. Surely that'll lead us somewhere." You know, so. And also because everyone was so afraid of doing something wrong, because if they did something wrong, then they would be like purged. That they were yeah. all very reluctant to take any risk, to take any initiative. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so they couldn't talk back. Mm. Even if you saw everyone dying, you can't be like, oh no, guess I'm gonna have to mm. s- sit tight. So, um. Uh, this is actually kind of a weird stat. I uh, Hopefully you can help me sort of comprehend this. I barely understand it, but basically, right, this is a cool stat. According to an American study, right, during the Vietnam War, an average of 25,000 rifle caliber shots were t- used to achieve a single kill. Because there was this, like, massive rate of bullets, right? Yeah. So, for Simo Haiha, for, for CMO High has more than 505 kills, we're using the lower estimate here, more than 13,550,000 bullets would have been used in Vietnam to kill an equal number. Wow. That is, it's a weird stat, but honestly... I wonder, I wonder how many bullets CMO used. That probably, that stat probably doesn't exist, but it, oh. it's, I bet it's not 13 million. It probably isn't. Nah, he probably, um, he, when shooting, he didn't do anything fancy. He didn't aim for the head. He just shot them right in the chest, apparently. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, like, a couple thousand. I mean, yeah, yeah. maybe five to ten thousand, but not thirteen million. Well, yeah. So, you're talking all about these bullets, yeah, you know, like, all about how much, right? Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, you, you're thinking about surely like there'd be loads of bullets he'd be firing lots right no 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 he used a bolt action iron sights rifle which uh, it was called the m slash 28 for you gun fanatics there uh he also used a suomi kp 31 machine gun i don't know what that means but according to sean raymond who's this guy that's like that covered simo haiha you know really dwelled into him uh, about like what he did and how his preparation was. It, simply, the gun was nothing more than an iron-sighted bolt-action standard rifle. So, and you may be like, "This is stupid, man. Why doesn't he use his sights?" Well, he he came up with three, like four brilliant reasons. Number one was that if you use iron sights, your head is slightly a few centimeters higher, and he said he'd take advantage of that because if you have to use the telescopic sight, you have to move your head up. He'll shoot you in the head. Boom. Uh. Number two. Um, if you use the telescopic sights, they tend to cloud up in the cold. Understandable. Right. Uh, also, the, when he was having these sniper duels, because that would frequently happen, uh, the the Russians, they were so afraid of him, they'd set up situations where there'd be artillery strikes, and right. there'd be, uh, there'd be uh, specific sniper duels only targeting him. Uh, oh. Like, they, they threw artillery, they threw everything. In fact, actually, when he got um knocked he got knocked out and was put in a coma for like two weeks i think or a week it was actually because of like a mortar like this massive exploded explosive bullet actually hit him and like knocked out half his like cheekbone oof pretty painful but he's still alive so well now he's dead but he, he managed to live through that you could so. just imagine him saying tis butter scratch and yeah, then t- continuing t- yeah, this is nothing <laughs> so yeah um so also, so like in all those duels, he could see the tele, this telescopic sights of the Soviets, and he just he just shoot them because he can see the reflection. 
Also, Hi-Hat did not have any training with scoped rifles, so he didn't bother to learn them. He was like, I'll stick to what I'm good at. Which yeah. Is, I like that. Now, you might you think that's amazing. Wait until you hear this. Um, Hi-Hat, right? He was he paid an immense like attention to detail. When he, how he beat like all these Soviets apart from like seeing the reflection of telescopic sights and all, he'd also keep snow in his mouth, and you'd be like, that's a bit stupid. Well, uh, a lot of the Soviets when they're like sniping, you you could see their breaths. So he was like, you know what? Let's just stop showing my like shove a bit of snow in my mouth. That way, then they can't even see his breaths. That's like. Oh my god. And it was fully white, and also he put, like, snow around him, right? And you were like, oh, the snow will kick up. Nah, he froze all the snow around him. So he was basically just, like, sitting in this massive ice cave. A little... I mean, I, the, I, the psychological yeah. terror on the Red Army of this guy must have been... That must have been almost as, like, useful as his actual kills. The, like, the fact that all the yeah. people in the Red Army would hear stories about how about this guy about the white imagine guy. if you were like a soviet soldier and they said to you you're gonna have to go into sniper duel uh with the white death oh, oh. that is unbelievable never mind <laughs> just give up <laughs> so um tapio uh Sara lane who did this amazing sort of like biography book on him which is also in the sources it's actually the whole thing is available on google books which was amazing i loved it there's so many good details in there but uh, Tapio Sarlane describes Hi-Hat's methods dating that he treated his job like he treated hunting and was always thinking of new ways to remain hidden and fool the enemy and that's what he did like later like in his later life uh, after he got promoted from corporal to second lieutenant and that that jump in the ranks was never seen before in the Finnish army history like ever he he simply he was also awarded the cross of liberty and the medal of liberty he, he simply just said i did what i was told to as well as i could when asked about how he became such an amazing sniper he just responded with one word practice what a guy i mean I, i'm not sure if that's humble or if he's just being a show off at that point that's just that's just i mean that's just honest right yeah yeah you, you just practice so like i think like that is why I think he's like a literal footnote because he does all these sort of amazing like preparations. He really went down to the minute detail of like, ah, oh, wait, I can, I can, they can see my breath in the snow. Let's just shove some like snow in my mouth. I assume you'd probably get blisters from that because snow's cold. Oh yeah, I mean, but he's Finnish. Finnish, he, they could yeah. probably they could take it. They could take a bit of snow. Yeah, and also like I just want to like know sort of like your thoughts on this because I I really like the sort of like agency approach to history. The whole idea that like one person can sort of like shift everything you know like um th about th this can like apply to anything for example like rise to power you know like how stalin personally did different things how he like lied and stuff like do you do you like the sort of agency approach to history because i personally love it like what do you think i mean it definitely creates very interesting historical narratives right when you focus on individuals i mean it's quite common for historians particularly marxist historians to kind of say to call this like the great man approach to history right where you focus on specific mm -hmm. individuals and history is a result of just like the really really cool people um and there there is a very strong case to be made that the way history has traditionally been written has been too individualistically focused right 
But actually, to be fair, the individuals that are featured in Great Man History, they're definitely not Simo Haiha. They're, they're people like, I don't know, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, all those people. Mm-hmm. It's not these kinds of people. These, like, the boots on the ground kind of people. Yeah, I actually think that's even better, because now that you point that out, as much as you could be, like, Winston Churchill, you know, so like or, like, uh, a general, I, I don't really know, General Ludendorff, you know, any general, you could, you could, you'd, you'd be telling yourself, it's like, ah, oh, go attack here, this is what we're going to do. I, I feel like just, that is just so much more different than actually being the boots on the ground there doing yeah. the actual shooting, and I feel the, these soldiers deserve more credit. Now, yeah. speaking of, like, glorifying these soldiers, you know, giving them credit, uh, I started this podcast by talking about uh, American Sniper, which is a 2014 film. I got, like... A couple of Oscars about like sounds and all that, but um, it was about uh, the U.S. Navy SEAL Chris Kyle. So, do you think that with all these um, soldiers and stuff, should they be glorified? Because I'd also like to uh, linking to that question. Uh, there was Joseph Allerberger, who was this Nazi, um, who was this Nazi soldier. I got 257 confirmed kills. So, like in glorifying like these events with all these killings, do you think? How how should it be approached, or do you think it should even be approached? Should we even glorify, like these events? I mean, it depends. It depends yeah. what you mean by glorify, because like so far, what we've been talking about, we've been like, oh, that's so cool. That that's that's kind of glorification, but it, we're really just trying to focus on the historical importance, right? So, if we mm-hmm. had did this podcast about Joseph, maybe we would have a slightly more serious tone because oh, yeah. he was on the quote quote unquote wrong side of history the evil you know the axis like yeah. uh, but m- moralizing history is is just always a slippery slope it's to kind very, of it's, it's a, a very slippery slope area. to bad history in my view that I, i've yeah that doesn't mean that you can't make moral judgments but you need to separate moral judgments from um actually trying to report on history where you're trying to be objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's tricky once, like, this also, like, once all the... It, it's just tricky to, like, sort of consider, too. I feel like, as, as you said, you should focus on reporting it for one side about, like, the kills and what they did. And it, it's tricky to sort of keep that in mind when they've also... When they're on, like, the bad side or the good side. Mm. So, yeah, but, I think, I, I think, but I think more specifically for, for Simo... You can't really give him moral blame. I mean, you could you can make a you can make a much stronger case for blaming the people who the actual soldiers that dropped the atomic bombs on Japan, and they all famously Ooh. said they were just doing their job. They were following orders, and they killed orders of magnitude more people than Simo, and orders of magnitude more uh, innocent people. Those specific soldiers. Um. But I think the kind of I was just following orders is a good one when you're just when you're trying to make a moral judgment for people because what would have been the alternative for Simo? He would uh, disobey his orders even though he's being invaded. He's being ing- his country yeah. is being aggressively invaded. So I don't think you can give Simo any blame, moral blame, uh, for the 500 kills. Yeah, I, I agree. Also, um, when he when he's talking in his interviews, he simply says like, um, he, um, 
he was just doing it like as he said he was just doing his job i did what i was told to as well as i could as well as that also i remember this martin luther king quote which is like a man who won't die for something is not fit to live which cool. is oof, what a quote i mean i don't know i i, I as, when i was researching this about like simo haiha that that quote came to mind and i feel like i don't know i feel like he's just the stuff he did his contribution to the war is something that well, was great and as well as that i'd also like to add he has a sabaton song about him and i mean i feel like so for those that don't know sabaton is a heavy metal band that makes songs about history they used to make songs only about world war Two, but now they make songs about any part of history yeah and i feel like if you have a sabaton song about you i feel you've accomplished quite a lot in life i I feel you're definitely up there you know uh a few of the lyrics since we can't play the song because who knows how many copyright strikes or whatever claims we'll get i don't i don't like that that's legal malarkey but anyways um he he has a sabaton song about him and I'll, i'll just focus on these like three lines that i saw uh it's a number one painting thousand lakes red Okay, number two, all alone, a man with his gun. And number three, you cannot hide. Yes. God, can you even imagine getting 700 people in the same place? I I would believe 500, like, easily if it was, like, over six years. But the fact oh, that's yeah, over a yeah. hundred days. A hundred days. And uh, also, it's, like, during winter. And you know how days get ridiculously short in the UK. I swear yeah. to God, like, the sun... This is the UK, by the way. I've never been. And to Finland, Finland would be worse. Finland would be worse. It, the in days the UK, would be much UK, shorter. The sun rises up sometimes at like stu- like you you get like brief hints of sun at nine, and that that's the sky just turns like a light like a light blue color. It isn't the sun's not out yet. It's just light blue, mm. okay. And then the sun sets at like four. Wow. The sun's down. The sun's had enough at four p.m. The sun's gone to bed. The sun Finland, down. that's worse. So, yeah, and also like. Um, he, he also had to rely on his memory a lot because they didn't have any maps of the places, so... Yeah. And I, I guess that uh, sums it up. Um, there are a wide range of sources in the episode notes if you want. There's, if you like that, so sort of all... Um, um, if you like reading the whole... Uh, there's a whole book about him, which is a whole biography. There's also uh, a really good ranker list I found which has like a few sources in there as well about um, Simo Haiha as well as him compared to other snipers. So uh, there's also um, military historiography about the Moti tactics and why they're so successful against the Soviets. So there's quite a few sources there that I think at least a few, at least somebody has to be interested in historiography. For the for the yeah. nerds, for the nerds. For the, for the nerds there, for the, for the you people there that love traditional views, love counter views, not my thing. Maybe it's for you, Heritage. But anyways, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, this logo, uh, was this impressive logo, was done by Melee Helen Mountford. You can see her Instagram uh, in the bio. Yeah, yeah, and I'd like to add, I'd like to add, this guy actually did this thing, you know, in the previous episode. We didn't even know. <laughs> in the previous episode, we could have been talking about absolute... We could have been just making stuff up, but no, this, this episode was definitely real. <laughs> Thank you very much and goodbye.